After constantly being bombarded with emails, phone calls, and text messages on a daily basis asking, what would you do? Sometimes it's an, oh crap, I made a mistake, help me. And sometimes it's just a question about the latest technology and do we feel it's worth the investment? We want to help answer all of these questions. So welcome to What Would Larry Do? featuring Dr. Ann. We'll be interviewing experts in the industry to help answer the questions that you desire to know the answers to. And now, it's time for What Would Larry Do? featuring Dr. Ann. Hello, and welcome to What Would Larry Do? I'm Dr. Ann. For those of you last week who got to join us for Getting Old Sucks, you probably heard that podcast and are thinking, that is me, and what the hell do I do about it? So, Today is going to be the answers for what the hell do I do about it? Hmm. So today we're going to be talking actually about bioidentical hormone replacement. And again, we have our um, expert here, Gunther Mueller. Hello. Vibrant uh, health guru, right? Yes, vibrant health guru. (laughs) And good. And so, you know, if you did not uh, listen to last week's podcast, go back and listen to that. Because that's where we really talked about signs, symptoms, and the hormones related to it. So we're going to jump right into the beginning. Now that we talked about how crappy people feel, all the you know heart disease, Alzheimer's, and issues, health issues that are coming up in America, Gunther, what, what do we do about it? So I think we mentioned last week that um, we're just replacing what's missing. Yeah. Right? Hormone, I mean, you look at the word, hormone replacement therapy. Yeah. Or bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. We are replacing what your body has been trying to make all of your life. And so what are bioidentical hormones? So bioidentical doesn't mean that they come from a plant. A lot of people think, <laughs> oh, they're, they're bio or they're, you know, like your body bio. And, and because they're, oh, they're all natural because they come from a plant. That's not it. The, the true definition of a bioidentical hormone means when you look at the hormone in its molecular structure. A hormone is so many carbons, so many hydrogens, and so Mm -hmm. many oxygens. If you remember your ninth grade chemistry class or something like that, it's carbon, hydrogen, oxygen. We are carbon-based beings. Mm -hmm. All molecules have a carbon base to them. And it becomes different things based on how many oxygens, how many hydrogens, and things like that are attached to it. So when we look at the molecule known as testosterone, it has... So many carbons, so many hydrogens, so many oxygens. So in the lab, we can synthesize or make that exact same molecule. Now, do we go to a plant to go get it? Yeah, we can go to soy. We can go to yams. Mm. Uh, I'll tell you this. I can go to a toxic waste dump. (laughs) Literally, I can go to a nuclear toxic waste dump and go get the raw material to make testosterone. It's going to be just fine for you. Because what I get from a lot of patients is the question that, well, is it organic yams? Is it organic <laughs> oh soy? Has it been genetically modified? You know, and I'm like, okay, let's go back to the molecule. The molecule has hydrogen, oxygen, and carbon. Is there any genetic material in carbon? The answer is no. No. There's no DNA. There's no, no RNA. Therefore, it cannot be genetically modified. You cannot genetically modify carbon, hydrogen, or oxygen, right? So yes. I really want to drive this through because people get wrapped around the axle. Is it organic yams? Is it organic? No. We're just going to get the carbon, the hydrogen, the oxygen. I can go to a nuclear toxic waste dump to go get hydrogen, carbon, and oxygen. And when I run that through the lab and I synthesize the molecule known as testosterone, I have bioidentical testosterone. Mm-hmm. 
or I like to call it human identical testosterone. Yes, that's the important part. Why is it human identical? Because it's the same molecule that the ovaries and the testes have been trying to make all of your life. It's that molecule. Yeah. Same is true with estradiol. The ovaries make what they call 17 beta estradiol. We can make 17 beta estradiol in the lab. It doesn't make it synthetic. Synthetic is what drug companies do. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. What makes the bioidenticals different from these other hormones? Okay, because in our country, you cannot patent anything that is in nature. Mm-hmm. You cannot patent anything that the human body makes. Yep. So drug companies, to make billions of dollars, have to have a patent. Yes, they do. So they cannot patent what your body makes. They can patent a delivery system. They can patent a modality. They can patent things like that, some process, right? Mm -hmm. But they cannot patent the substance. So when you talk about testosterone, 17-beta-estradiol, human-identical or bioidentical, progesterone, right? These are things that your body makes. You can't Mm -hmm. get a patent on them. Yep. So when you use those hormones, you have a very minimal side effect profile. And the side effects really only come from your body adjusting to being at an optimal hormone level or a new homeostasis in your body, right? You've been hormonally deficient for 10, 20, 30 years. You're putting some hormones in your body. Your body has to adjust back to being at those levels. So you may have some potential temporary side effects, Mm -hmm. temporary. And minimal, not not super dangerous or health risk side effects, just some temporary ones. So good. So now that we know what a bioidentical hormone is, because most people don't actually know the difference. So that's where I always wanted to start with it. So let's talk about how we replace these hormones. When we get patients in, we've tested their lab work, they're feeling crappy, they have all these symptoms. What's the next step? So the next step is to get your lab work done Mm -hmm. to see where you're deficient. Yep. Right. And so a practitioner like yourself, right, can look at lab work and say, here's your deficiency. Yeah. And correlate the lab work deficiencies with the symptoms that you're experiencing. Okay. Right? Yep. So you start adding the two together. The reason, as Larry said in the last episode, feeling like dirt, right? (laughs) Why are you feeling like dirt? You feeling like dirt today, Larry? (laughs) Actually, I'm feeling quite good now. (laughs) I'm much better. Thank you. He's got his hormone pellets. Thanks for asking. Yeah. (laughs) And one thing I, I just want to touch on, the synthetic was the drug companies have to change the molecule. Yes, that's, they do. That's, they have to change the molecule to get a patent. Yeah. And so I want to run this thing. When, you, when you're putting stuff in your bloodstream, every cell in your body has receptor sites. And I want you to think of like a lock and key. If I came to your front door with my key, I could put the key in, jiggle it around, but I'm not going to be able to unlock the door. Yeah. And if I mess around with it too much, I'm going to ruin the lock. Yeah. So that's a synthetic hormone yeah. or synthetic anything that comes down the bloodstream, tries to enter a cell. You mess up the receptor site. And it's not the right hormone. When you use bioidentical or human identical hormones, they're coming down the bloodstream. They go right into the receptor site. The key slides in, unlocks the lock, goes into the cell, does its job. Mm-hmm. No side effect. Yes. Right? That's the analogy of why that. So go to, to go back to pellets, what's a pellet? Yeah. What is a pellet? So a pellet is about the size of a grain of rice. Okay. I want to say a cooked grain of rice. It's a little <laughs> bit bigger than a dry grain of rice. I've been called on that before. It's bigger than a grain of rice. Okay. Cooked grain of rice. A little bit puffier, right? And it is just pure hormone compressed into a little thing that looks like a tiny little cylinder. Okay. Has a little bit of stearic acid in it. That's the binding agent. So your body makes stearic acid also. So it is bioidentical to your body. 
So testosterone, 17 beta estradiol is in the pellet. And then we insert those pellets in what's called, the fancy word is the subcutaneous fat, <laughs> usually in the upper buttock or hip area, mm-hmm. right? And women have some there, men have some there. Sometimes we can go in the love handles in a mm-hmm. man, because sometimes men carry a little bit more fat there than they do in the upper buttock area. Yep. And so they get implanted, it's about a 15-minute procedure, and the body builds capillaries around those blood vessels, I mean, around those pellets in about a week. And then as your blood flows around those pellets, your body is slowly absorbing that mm-hmm. hormone. So it's a cardiac-driven modality. Yes. Meaning the more strenuous you are, the more you work out, the more whatever, the more hormone you actually need to repair the functions in your body. So it's a great modality in that you're absorbing it kind of as you need it. Yep. Nope, that's good. So then these pellets are a way for them to replace the hormones that they're deficient in. Yes, so and we, we only use pellets for testosterone and for and estrogen. Yep, and we'll get into some of the other ones. But yeah. that's an option out there for both men and women. And, um, you know, people are sometimes worried at the word where you're saying implanted or a small incision. Larry, I just want to ask you personally, how was it when you had your hormone pellets put in? It was very easy. Uh, no pain. Um, she put, I, I had it in the love handle area, the flank Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, it was, it was nothing. Because you're trying to preserve your butt for the nursing home, aren't you? Yeah, the (laughs) the butt has to stay perfect at all costs. I'm going to have this cutest little tush, you know, when I'm in the nursing home, I'm going to show it off. That's how I, you know, I got it all worked out. (laughs) (laughs) No, but either way, it was no big deal, right? I mean, did you, did you have a lot of discomfort afterwards? I had no discomfort. Very okay. easy. It took about, I'd say, a week and a half or so before I really started to feel it. Mm-hmm. And you can tell the difference. I mean, uh, you know, again, it takes a little time, but mm-hmm. you can tell the difference. And uh, you're thinking better. You're doing more. You're just mm-hmm. slightly more active all the time. Definitely sleep better. No yeah. question about that. Um, so, you know, all in all, I'd say it's uh, it's something that... From a man's perspective, do it. You know, just it's it's going to make you, it's going to change your life. There you go. Yep. So if you're deficient, this is a way to do it. So we know for both men and women that if they have, or women, if they have estrogen and testosterone deficiency, they can do pellets. Men, if they have testosterone deficiency, can also do pellets just for the testosterone. Mm -hmm. But what are some of the other hormones that we need to replace? So both women, men and women, should get their thyroid level checked. Mm-hmm. It's very important. A lot of symptoms, 100 symptoms associated with low functioning or hypothyroidism, mm-hmm. right? Women do feel thyroid more than men do. But in men, it's, it's our metabolic function also. Every cell in the body needs free T3, that is the active thyroid hormone, needs to get into the cell, needs to do its job, helps the my- mitochondria produce ATP. That's what we feel is energy. Mm-hmm. All of this weight gain in our culture... Mm-hmm. A lot of it can be contributed to hypothyroidism. Absolutely. Right? Uh, just low metabolic function. And it is tied to your thyroid function. The yep. other one we discussed last week is D3. Very important yes. for all kinds of protection. Progesterone for women. Mm-hmm. is Progesterone is not just for the endometrium. Progesterone is not just for pregnancy. Progesterone protects the heart. It protects the brain. It protects the breast. The medical literature is clear on that. It's yeah. the second hormone to go for women. Women lose testosterone first. Yeah. They lose progesterone. progesterone second. 
And then in menopause, they lose estrogen. Well, you know, even the United States military took progesterone and did studies on it, Mm -hmm. finding that when they had patients come in with traumatic brain injury, that if they were to IV them bioidentical progesterone, they could significantly reduce any of the side effects post-traumatic brain injury and sometimes have full recovery of the patients. There you go. But that's immediately once they arrive to the hospital with it. And even here in Phoenix, Arizona, for a while, that was being launched at the hospitals because I have a friend who's an ER nurse. And that was their protocol mm-hmm. when traumatic brain injury came in, progesterone, but not the synthetic progestins right. like we talked about, right. bioidentical progesterone to reduce, you know, the side effects of traumatic brain injury and hopefully have a full brain recovery. Yep. So it's, it's like you talk about all these different organs having receptors. I mean, why are they telling postmenopausal women that they should not be on progesterone? It's just crazy. Because they're past their childbearing years and you don't need progesterone. I mean, it's yeah. a very minimalist view of what progesterone does in the body. Yeah. Right? So we know thyroid, we typically have them taking pills. Progesterone, we also do the same typically. Estrogen, we don't like them to do it in pills because of some of um, its better delivery through the pellets and things like that. So D3 is typically oral. So most of the stuff that we're doing is usually either an oral pill that you take or it's a pellet that is inserted in a very comfortable and minimal procedure. Yeah. So that's the easy way to do it. So patients out there, if you heard the last podcast, if you're feeling crappy, if you want something to do about it, it is very easy to replace these hormones. Um, But besides replacing hormones, what about nutritional therapy? And how does this play a role in optimizing hormone levels and health? So you talked about vitamin D, but what are some of the other important vitamins that go along with boosting hormone levels and optimizing health? So we like supplements like iodine. Mm -hmm. We like things like DIM. Uh, which is methane. It's basically your cruciferous mm-hmm. vegetables, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. You mm-hmm. know, they say what's in a little pill of dim, you'd have to eat like seven pounds of broccoli yep. to get what's in that. And nobody want to hang out with you if you're eating like, seven <laughs> pounds of broccoli. <laughs> so, Let's try a, that out on you, Larry. Yeah. No, thanks. Um, we got to look at things like B12, all mm-hmm. your B vitamins, right? We got to look at whether you're methylating or not methylating, things like that. You know, that's a whole nother yep, conversation, whole, yep. right? But th- these are all tied to energy. What I, what I want your listeners to understand, this is not just one thing. We need to look at you in a very holistic fashion. Mm-hmm. It's not, oh, you know, whenever, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. Right? Yep, absolutely. But we need pliers, we need screwdrivers, we need wrenches, we need other tools. And in your physiology, which is why the lab work is important, is how it starts out, why mm-hmm. your symptoms are even more important, what are you expressing with? And as a physician, you're going to treat the symptoms, you're going to look at lab work for evidence. Mm-hmm. And then when you prescribe something, or you give something, you're going to look at the lab work to see it's moving in the right direction, right? Yeah. And that's what the lab work is for. And I'll tell you this, folks, the difference between medicine and poison is the dose. There we go. That's a good one. I'm going to have yeah. to store that one away for future use. That's a good point. Right? Yeah. The difference between medicine and poison is dose. I'll give you an example. I'll give you two aspirin, or I'll give you the whole bottle of aspirin. <laughs> right? You're going to have a different outcome. Oh, yeah. So it doesn't make As aspirin. As bleed out of every part of your body if you take <laughs> yeah. that whole bottle. Right? So it doesn't make aspirin bad or good. It's dose dependent. Mm-hmm. So... What you guys are doing at your clinic, right, is mm-hmm. optimizing hormones with a very precise dosing strategy. Yeah. A dosing strategy that's been proven out over tens of thousands of patients over the last decade. In how, Because I'm telling you, you can go to Dr. Google and you can read some horror <laughs> stories about pellet therapy gone wrong. Absolutely, you can. All right. 
And I'll tell you this, there is no medical procedure or anything ever invented that works 100% of the time. Well, and we talk about this all the time with like resurfacing, photofacials, things like that, depending on the training that you get mm-hmm. and how you're administering it to patients. People who are not well-trained hurt people. That's it. And no two people are the same. So yeah. you, you really do have to pay attention. Everybody's different. And uh, every aspect of life affects every aspect of life. And so hormones are going to affect an aspect of life. Mm-hmm. Each thing reacts to each thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important. I have a question about adrenal. Um, mm-hmm. I'm on a, a pill, a horse pill. Adrenal. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. not from a horse. He's saying that because... <laughs> Because it's a the, rather large pill that I take why. every day. <laughs> <laughs> you want to know how adrenals work in the whole endocrine world is yes, what you're asking. Yes. So maybe we can just discuss that just briefly. Sure. Um, and I think it's stress-related. You take the first stress, <laughs> yes. and I'm surrounded by all these crazy ladies all day, every day. Which, I by think, the way, we have two men in our office. We have Bill, who's Larry's brother-in-law, and we have a dog named Blue. And so the only two men that Larry gets to hang out with all day are these guys. And let's just say Bill ditches them every day at like two. He's gone. Yeah. yeah so I, I, you know. he's got a dog and the rest, yeah, yeah. Are, the rest are us crazy women. Crazy women. So anyway, I, I've been taking those for about a month and a half or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just seems like everything's a little bit better, you yeah. know. Uh, so what's it doing to me or what's yeah. it doing for me? How's that work? Well, you're doing multiple things, right? Yes. So when you when you optimize your testosterone, you're taking some of the pressure off your adrenal function. Mm-hmm. So adrenals produce cortisol, which is your fight fight or flight stress hormone, mm-hmm. right? And when you're continually under stress, you know, your adrenals were designed to run from the saber-toothed tiger back yes. in the caveman days, right? But you weren't running from the saber-toothed tiger all day long and all night in some cases, right? Mm-hmm. Watch a tiger in the wilderness, right? They run really, 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 really fast for about seven minutes, eight minutes, and then they sleep all day Yeah, to recover. Yeah. That's adrenaline. That's cortisol. That's mm-hmm. these, you know, I got to get out of the fire. I have to do all But in America, we're under the stress all the time. So your adrenals get fatigued. You've heard adrenal fatigue mm-hmm. syndrome and all that. Well, your other hormones are deficient, puts more pressure and stress on the adrenals because your body is designed to survive. It will do whatever it takes to survive. Mm-hmm. But how long can it do that for? Yeah, It's barring from Peter to pay Paul. It's robbing its resources. And it'll, it's creative. It's compensatory. It will figure out a way to keep you functioning. But you just feel crappy while it's happening. You feel crappy. And eventually something crops out. Mm-hmm. And that's usually the big diagnosis. Yeah. That's usually the heart attack, the stroke, the cancer, the whatever, right? Yeah, the Alzheimer's. The Yeah, it's going to express happens. itself. Your body is going to become, quote-unquote, diseased, kind of in the weakest part of itself. Mm-hmm. That's where the disease is going to express itself. Yeah. Now, we can do things to prevent this. Yes. And this is what we're talking about today. What can you do? Replacement. Well, do you want to spend the next 20, 30 years of your life in a low testosterone condition, in a low thyroid condition, in a low vitamin D3 condition, in, in suboptimal B12 level? Mm-hmm. Is that how you want to live life? An adrenal fatigue condition? An adrenal fatigue. Where Not, you can't sleep at night, but yet yeah. you're tired in the morning? Folks, what would, it, what would it be like if you actually woke up in the morning and felt fully rested? Without your alarm. That's a, that's a great point, actually. I know when my testosterone level is low is because I want to hit the snooze button. Yes, right? When, when my testosterone level is up, I wake up literally 15 minutes before my alarm is supposed to go off. And you're ready to go. I'm ready to go. 
Well, uh, that's, a, that's a good way to put it. Fancy that. Fancy that you slept all night and you woke up with energy ready to go. Yes, you put your feet down on the ground, you have this presence, you have this mental clarity, you know why you're here on the planet, you don't have all this fog going on, right? Maybe you got some morning yeah. desire going morning on. Morning wood. Morning yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I was allowed to say that or not. You can say whatever okay, you want on this want. podcast. Right. Yeah, so this is got... Larry's podcast. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and it's a might, typical conversation at the office. Yeah. So it's just, and that, yeah. that may not have happened for you for yeah. years, for decades, right? And all of a sudden you get your hormones optimized and, hey, what's that? <laughs> yeah. right? I remember Whoa. you. It's been 20 years, but you, I used to remember this. Yeah, we used to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> so would, you, would you rather do that or would you rather have to plan your sex life in four-hour increments? <laughs> right? <laughs> That's right. it's a little bit better uh, to have the overall feeling good wake up ready to go everything all the time and like it used to be again just go back in time what was it when you were 20 25 and to be able to feel that way act that way move that way you know Mm -hmm. and again if even if you think about it if you have if you feel better and you have a little more energy maybe you do a little more maybe you actually Mm -hmm. exercise you know, or you exercise more. Maybe you start eating better, a little bit better. Because why? Well, you get it. All of a sudden, hey, it's going to help me also feel better. So one thing leads to another, just like mm-hmm. with anything. And uh, I think you need a starting point. You need something to show you. You know, when we deal with patients that are a little bit overweight, well, if we help their body a little bit, and they, well, oh my God, I'm looking better. That's All it. of a sudden, what happens? It triggers them to start doing more. Things start to happen, and one thing leads to another. And this is no different. It's just that you're feeling good the entire time. You're feeling better. So yes. go back to those days. Larry, you bring up an amazing point. That is truly it. Like, take a hormone like testosterone. It affects the desire centers in the brain. You know, you didn't feel like working out before. All you felt like doing was sitting on the couch. You get your hormone optimized a little bit, and now you almost feel like going for a walk. Maybe you're going to walk the dog. Maybe you're going to get on a bicycle. Maybe you're going to go do something. Mm-hmm. Like, where's that feeling coming from? Yeah. It comes from the desire centers in the brain, yeah. right? And then, like you just said, one thing leads to another. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to become a gym rat. You don't have to do yoga three times a day. You, don't have, you just have to move your body. Yeah. I mean, your whole lymphatic system... It doesn't have a pump. Yeah. It's the tightening of your muscles that moves your lymphatic system. This is the key to detoxification. If you're sedentary all day, which most Americans are, they're sitting in front of a computer all day moving their mouse. You know, it's the most energetic thing they do is move their mouse back and forth. You got to get out and move a little bit. You got to breathe a little bit. You have to detoxify your body. And hormone optimization helps you do that. It gives you that desire. And then, like you said, all of a sudden you start seeing little results. And you're like, whoa, wait a second. Hey, this shit's working, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Absolutely. Has there ever been a study on how many calories a day you burn moving a mouse? <laughs> I don't I'd so. be curious. I mean, I'm just thinking, God, I mean, I move that mouse a lot all day. I wonder, I wonder what I'm getting out of that. I have a strong finger, you know? I mean, I, I, yeah, maybe I am getting a workout. Who knows? Oh, my gosh. Larry. Of course, he wants to find a way to be able to make to count that in his instead of steps, it's mouse clicks now, right? How many mouse clicks are we How getting many in mouse per day? Clicks can you get in a day? Yeah. Well, no, but you bring up that important point. You know, the endocrine system I always describe to my patients is a web. You know, you have to get the balance of them all. You know, from your thyroid to the ovaries to the adrenal glands. You know, for men, their testes. It's everything has to be working together. 
And when one piece gets pulled out of whack, it tugs on all the others. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, back to Larry's question where he's talking about the adrenals, it's like, yes, we, we look at all of that, right? So when you come in as a woman with hot flashes or night sweats, I'm not just going to give you estrogen. Mm -hmm. If you come in with a man with, you know, signs and symptoms of low testosterone, I'm not just going to give you testosterone. I actually make you test everything. Yep. And, you know, Gunther, you brought up good points of, you know, we're going to look at nutrition and how are we going to optimize that. Right. But there's before we get into some of the myths behind hormones, there's one more section of nutrition I want you to talk about because we briefly did this on the break. But okay. um, so we know that vitamin D3 is very important for a lot of things. But you were talking about vitamin K and vitamin A and why mm -hmm. these are important to supplement with vitamin D. So let's discuss that a little bit. Yeah, see, things work together, right? <laughs> you can take vitamin C or you can eat an apple. Mm -hmm. An apple has all kinds of components in it that work in harmony with vitamin C. But if you just take vitamin C as ascorbic acid, right? So what we were talking about at the break is that vitamin D3 works really good with vitamin K2, mm -hmm. which was discovered by a dentist. Um, it's, it's about putting calcium into the dental arch. It's why a lot of our kids need braces these days because there's the dental arch is not formed mm. enough because 98% of Americans are vitamin K2 deficient. It's only found in grass fed animal protein. There it's you go. not in fruit. It's not in vegetables, right? Yes. Vitamin A is very important because it balances the K2 and the D3 factor. And you know, you're vitamin A deficient if you feel the back of your arm and you have all those little bumps mm -hmm. on it, right? And you're using your loofah sponge trying to get those little bumps on it. That's vitamin A deficiency, yes, it is. right? Mm -hmm. So A, D3, and K, we actually have a supplement mm -hmm. that addresses all three of those. And it's very economical to use. And again, folks, when you're doing supplementation, you want to go somewhere where you're getting what I call a pharmaceutical-grade supplement or yes. what we call a nutraceutical. If you're just going to go to your big box store and buy whatever's on sale, not good. you take that stuff, and now your urine stream is some bright fluorescent color, you're literally putting money in the toilet. <laughs> okay? You have to absorb what you take. Whatever you take orally, best case, you're going to absorb 35% of that. Mm-hmm. And if what's, you know, you're buying a supplement and what's really not in there, it's not absorbable. It hasn't been designed to pass that gut layer, right? Mm -hmm. To get through the intestinal tract, to get into the bloodstream, to be digested properly. Most Americans have gut issues. Mm -hmm. Why do we have gut issues? Because we're eating corn and wheat that's been raised with Roundup. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Pesticides, herbicides, effects. You know, your intestines are 29 feet long with all types of bacterial colonies, they call it flora and fauna, mm -hmm. but four to five pounds of your body weight is bacteria. They call it the second brain. A lot of whoa. people now are, yeah, whoa. <laughs> whoa. A lot of people are calling it the first brain. Yes. So, so your brain yeah. and your gut brain, you ever say, oh, I had that gut feeling? Yeah. It's a real thing. It is. Right? They've been talking about that. Uh, my son is autistic, mm -hmm. and they talk about the gut and the brain all the time and how that works and how that functions. And so we've been aware of it, didn't really know everything about it, but mm -hmm. yes, it's, it's mm -hmm. a lot of literature out there on it now. And we've heard of leaky gut syndrome, mm -hmm. right? Your, your intestinal wall is one cell thick. And that's what separates you from the outside of the world. That's it, one cell. Mm -hmm. So things pass that barrier. Now it fires up your immune system. You've all heard of autoimmune diseases, right? Mm -hmm. This is the immune system attacking itself or attacking the body and all that kind of stuff. Well, where does it start from? It starts from gut misfunction. Mm -hmm. And it's because we eat 
processed foods, high sugar foods. We eat foods with toxins in them. We breathe air with toxins in water. We're drinking water out of plastic bottles all the time. We're doing all these things. It's not just one thing. It's that we mm. do all these things all the time. Yeah. Chronic insult. Yes. And they're all estrogenic in a way. We get mm-hmm. endocrine disruptors. It's one thing after another. So if, if we don't do something about this, we are destined to feel like dirt, as Larry says, right? <laughs> We're destined to feel that way if we don't optimize something, if we don't nutritionally, yeah. hormonally, you know, and then we want to look great on the outside, so we're going to have to do some aesthetic stuff, right? Mm-hmm. If we want to look amazing at 70 years old or 75 or 80 years old, we've got to do some stuff. Yep. Yes, we do. Now, and it's, it's good. I'm glad that you brought that up about the supplements because I was actually in one of, you know, those big name pharmacy stores and I just was taking a look at supplements because I wanted to see vitamin D3, something I give to all my patients. So I went through all the vitamin D3s in their store and out of all the different brands, like entire shelves full, every single one of them was based in a soy oil except for one, mm-hmm. which is, it's not good. You know, it's, it's a whole nother conversation about genetically modified soy products in America but the fact that that's the delivery system that they chose, if you are taking low-grade supplements, sometimes they can actually have more poison in them than they do nutrition. So it's not even just the delivery of it, but you're getting stuff you don't even want. Right. And a lot of times they have to put that stuff in there for the manufacturing process. Yes. For the machinery. Mm-hmm. To make this goo that's in the supplement go through the machinery, they yeah. need these additives. Yep. Well, you may be sensitive or allergic to those additives. Yep, exactly. But yes, and, and the reason why I brought up the vitamin um, A and K is for many women out there, osteoporosis is a huge risk. The number one thing your doctor tells you to do is take calcium. Mm-hmm. But if you don't actually have adequate D3 and K, the calcium doesn't go to your bones or your teeth where it should. Where does it end up? It ends up in the intracellular space. It ends up yeah. in your coronaries. So how many times have you heard a story about a guy that looks physically fit or a female? Yeah. Right? Physically fit, running marathons, 47 years old, drops dead in the middle of the race. Yep. From a heart attack or stroke. Yes. Yep. What causes that? Hardening of the arteries. Hardening. Calcium. Yes. Deposits. Yep. In the intracellular space. And that's a K2 deficiency. Mm-hmm. Studies being done in Canada right now with only... 250 micrograms of K2 every day, reducing the plaque in the coronaries by 50% in six weeks. Yes. This is a critical vitamin. Yes. Got to have it. And almost nobody's taking it. Almost nobody's taking it, except for your patients. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I take it. <laughs> I take it. I've been taking it for a long time. No, and so that's why I wanted to bring that up is because besides getting the hormone web working together... You know, you talked about on our last episode that it's, it, it's prevention, right? Yes. What are we doing to prevent disease? There's all these things out there. We don't want cancer. We don't want Alzheimer's. We don't want heart disease. And the traditional medical world is so focused on treating them that they're forgetting about preventing. Mm-hmm. So by replacing the hormones you're deficient in, mm-hmm. by optimizing your nutritional levels, by supplementing the things you cannot get through your diet, because yes, even if you eat perfect, I'm telling you right now, the soils are depleted. And, you know, by, of course, having a healthy diet and getting some activity in your lifestyle, these are the things you can do to prevent these diseases. You just have to align yourself with the right practitioner in order to do that. And I want to touch this again. You know, people are going to say, well, it's expensive to do that or it costs cash money. My health insurance doesn't cover that. Folks, you got to stop thinking about your health insurance trying to keep you healthy. Mm hmm. I want, to, I want you to think about what you spent last time you went out to dinner. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> How much was dinner last night? 
How much was dinner last night? 80 bucks, 100 bucks? Do you buy a Starbucks every day? Exactly. I used to say that actually. You know, pellet <laughs> therapy costs a Starbucks latte a day. So if you're going to Starbucks every day at three or four bucks. Yeah. Make your coffee at home. Make your coffee at home for 42 cents a cup. Mm-hmm. Okay. And save the rest of the money and invest it in your body. Mm-hmm. I, I say this to people a lot of time. This, you live, it's called the temple, right? Yeah. This is where you live. If you don't take care of this thing, where are you going to live? Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how nice your purse and shoes are. If you don't have the body to go with it, you're in trouble. This is where you live. This is, this is where you feel and function. Feeling mm-hmm. and functioning is the big thing. How do you want to feel and function as you age? What is the last 10 years of your life going to feel like? What's the last 20 years of your life going to feel like? Is it worth 100 bucks a month? Yes. Is it worth $200 a month? Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, I know you spend a lot on your health insurance premium and you got a high deductible and you want your insurance to pay for something, but it doesn't pay for health. It pays for catastrophe. Yes. You have to invest in your health. You have to spend or save. You can use your HSA. You can use your flex spending account. Mm-hmm. You can use the cash that you're you know, peeling out of your paycheck maybe or something like that. But you have to get a different mindset. Mm-hmm. Without your health, you have nothing. Yes. And right? you never realize it until you get really sick. Until you lose it. And so doing this lab work or looking at these deficiencies, you know, you might have a zinc deficiency. You might have a magnesium deficiency. You might have an iron deficiency, which is making you tired. You know, you're not carrying oxygen through your bloodstream. There's a myriad of things that could just be wrong with you. You're a snowflake. This is personalized, individualized medicine. Mm -hmm. This is precision medicine. Remember the dose, you know, difference between medicine, poisons, dose. It's a precise dose for you based on your lab work, based on your health history, based on your symptoms, based on the things that you're presenting with, your individualized, personalized dose is for you. Yes. That's the key. Yes. In regular medicine, it's a one-size-fits-all approach. There's three different doses. Take this one, and it's spread out. All. This is about you, your being, your physiology, your person. You come in, you meet with a physician that's going to spend some time with you. It's not going to be a seven-minute visit. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Wants to get to know you. What are you doing? What what? How do you live your life? How do you move your body? What kind of foods do you eat? How often do you exercise? How do you move? How do you move? Yeah. Well, or more importantly, listening when you say, when they ask you, how do you feel? And you ramble off symptoms and they say, well, let's do something about that. Yeah. Instead of looking at your lab work and say, well, that doesn't really apply to you. Yeah. So folks, I want you to be willing to invest in your health. You have to invest something. Yeah. Something. It, it, it's sort of like if you invest a little bit now in your health, you won't be buying all the pharmaceutical medicines for the rest of your life. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you're going to spend the money one way or the other. Why not spend it investing in your health so you don't have the other? The yes. other is not the direction you want to go. Mm-hmm. I agree. And it's just like aesthetics. We're, you know, on the aesthetic side, if you do little things along the way that is right for your skin and takes care of you, it's it's real easy, but if you don't, then you have to do bigger things. And so it it it's always comes down to how important is it to you to feel your best all the time? Yes. Look your best, feel your best. You can do that, and we have the ways to do it. Yep. You, you bring a good point. Most Americans will spend most of their retirement funds in the last five years of their life on health costs. Either nursing home costs, dementia costs, Alzheimer's costs, where 
So you saved all this money. You invested in your 401k. You invested in all this kind of stuff, but you didn't invest anything in your body. Mm-hmm. So now you got to spend it on all the fun you're stuff. You're going to spend it all, and <laughs> you don't get any joy out of that. No. No joy. None. Yep. So now that patients have an or all of our listeners out there have an idea, okay, so maybe I think I have hormone deficiencies, but I've heard some scary stories. Mm. I want to run through a couple quick myths just because this is what is commonly taught to our patients. And so number one, the first one I want to talk about is does hormone replacement therapy cause cancer in women and bioidentical specifically? The answer is no. I mean, will cancer happen if you get hormone replacement therapy? Could you get cancer? Yes. I, I could get hit by a bus when I leave the studio here today, okay? It could happen. Okay. If I'm, horm- if I'm on hormone replacement therapy, could I have a stroke or a heart attack? The answer is yes, you could. The question is, did the hormones cause it? There we go. The hormones did not cause the cancer. The hormones did not cause the heart attack or cause the stroke. Mm-hmm. Your lifestyle choices, your dietary choices, your, what you've been doing for the last 20, 30, 40 years, that's what's causing that. Mm-hmm. It's not your genes. It's not your genetic makeup. Those are just switches that, again, your diet, lifestyle, exercise, choices, turn those switches on, turn those switches off, the mm-hmm. tendencies of where your body's going to go. So, you know, you can have an estrogen-positive breast cancer. You can have a progesterone-positive breast cancer. And I wanted to touch on that on the other show. I think I forgot to say that. But, you know, estrogen does what estrogen does, which is it grows tissue, just like it grows the endometrium. Mm-hmm. Now, testosterone downregulates the activity of estrogen. And that's what we call hormonal balance. Yes. So if you lose testosterone as a woman between the age 20 and 40, when do most breast cancers get diagnosed? Yeah, 40. 50, 55 years yeah. old, 45. So in most cases, women have gone a decade of their life at least in a testosterone deficient manner. Yes. And then they lose progesterone. So they're losing the protection, the breast protection of testosterone. They're losing the breast protection of progesterone, the only thing that's left. And so they blame the breast cancer on the estrogen. When estrogen is just doing its job. Yeah. But it didn't have its buddies around, meaning three sex hormones. Right. Testosterone, estrogen, progesterone. They balance each other out. And if you live a decade or two of your life without all three of them present, and again, this didn't matter if you were going to die at 55 years old. Yeah. You were dead before the breast cancer got diagnosed. You're dead before the breast cancer actually would kill you. Yes. But now if you're going to live to 70, 80, 90, you got to do something about the breast cancer, right? Yes. And folks, just so you know, the incidence of breast cancer recurrence is less than 5%. So if you've had a breast cancer and you've been told you can never have hormones again, and you're on tamoxifen for 10 years of your life, and you're blocking all your estrogen receptors, I want you to ask you, what's going to happen to your heart? What's going to happen to your brain? What's going to happen to your bones? What's going to happen to your memory? If, if you have no estrogen in your body, we talked about the 400 functions of estrogen. Mm-hmm. Okay, you won't die from breast cancer, but you're probably going to die from cardiovascular disease. Or you're going to be living a miserable life. Or you're going to live a miserable, miserable life. You know, we, we all have a crap out date, okay? Yeah. <laughs> we, we all have an expiration date. Yeah. There's a day coming where you're going to cease to be on the planet, mm-hmm. okay? What is it that you want your quality of life to be like up until that date? Mm-hmm. That's what I want to inspire your listeners to think about, yes. right? Yep. So 
Can bad things happen? Can a cancer be caught? Can something like that? Yes. The, the likelihood of it happening from bioidentical hormones is so low. Yes. So low. And so especially for breast cancer survivors, mm-hmm. your quality of life is terrible post-breast cancer if you don't get some testosterone back in your body, if you don't optimize your D3, if you don't get some progesterone. You know, and again, we always fight with the oncologist. We're never going to do what an oncologist says not to do. At the end of the day, it's up to the patient. It's Absolutely. up to the patient to educate themselves. The patient needs to understand what's going on here, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, which brings me to the other one. We see commercials on it. We already talked about the morning and the evening news. What about uh, testosterone causing heart attacks in men? There's never been a study to support that. Again, we like to practice evidence-based medicine. I can tell you that in men's health particularly, uh, expert panel, the Mayo Clinic even has its name on this. Harvard has its name on this. Consensus of nine of the world's top experts in testosterone viewed every single study in the last 50 years that's been done on testosterone. No increased risk of prostate cancer. No increased risk of stroke. No increased risk of heart attack. No increased risk of anything. And I get this from Dr. Abraham Morgenthaler of Harvard. He wrote the book, Testosterone for Life. Mm-hmm. And when you see him present live, he has a slide. And the slide on the screen is a picture of an empty cardboard box. And he says, let me show you the studies <laughs> that speak to an increased risk of stroke, an increased risk of heart attack and testosterone, an increased risk of prostate cancer. There they are. There aren't any. <laughs> I like that empty cardboard box. It's an empty cardboard box. That is let me, good. Let me show you. But I can show you stacks of studies from the floor to the ceiling that show mm-hmm. the last 50 years, in every single study in which testosterone has been given to both men and women, there's been nothing but improvement of quality of life, no harm. In every single study in the last 50 years in which 17 beta estradiol has been given to both men and women, mm-hmm. there has been nothing but benefit, improvement to quality of life, no harm. There we go. And so a lot of times when you read a headline in the news, it's a retrospective study. It's an observational study, right? And I I work a lot with Dr. Neil Rousier, who's one of the international, you know, lecturers and teaching other physicians on how to do hormones and stuff. And he says, look, if you want to know if something's good for you or not good for you, you have to give it and see what happens. Yes. So he only gives weight to prospective studies, meaning we're testing something, no other factors. I'm going to give you this, and I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to give you that, and I'm going to see what happens. Those are the studies that it gives weight to. Yeah, not the ones that are just reading other studies and giving their opinions. Yeah, I can give you an example. There's been a headline. Estrogen has been associated with increased cardiovascular disease. Mm -hmm. Is that study true? No. Yeah, actually it is, because... Estrogen has been associated. Oh, okay, right? yes. That was a trick question. It's a trick question. But you're right, associated, but in what way? But in what way? And I want to tell you that association does not prove causation. Yes. If you want to know if something causes something, you have to give it and see what happens. So the reason estrogen has been associated with cardiovascular disease <laughs> is because most people that have cardiovascular disease are obese. Oh. Most people that have cardiovascular disease have visceral fat. Visceral fat produces estrone. Which is the wrong kind of estrogen it's for those It's the wrong kind of estrogen, right? Yeah. They're just using estrogen, right? Yeah. They're not specifying what estrogen. So when they test those patients that have cardiovascular disease, that have a lot of visceral fat, the visceral fat is producing estrogen, so estrogen levels are high. So you're right. High estrogen levels 
are associated with cardiovascular disease, but the estrogen levels did not cause it. It's just the innocent bystander yeah. of the function. So, and it's the wrong kind that's being produced. And it's the wrong kind. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. Right? No, and like you said, it's all about evidence-based medicine, which brings me to my next one. So those of you who've been afraid for those couple of reasons, there are a few others about there. So we briefly talked about this last time, but what about testosterone causing women to be more masculine? So are we going to grow a penis if we take testosterone? There's a great study that you can give to your patients. It's done by uh, Dr. Rebecca Glazer out of uh, Columbus, Ohio. She published a paper called The Ten Myths of Testosterone in Women. Okay. And no, you're not going to grow a beard. You're not going to change your voice. You're not going to grow a penis. You're, <laughs> you're not going to have any of these things that it's just been laid out there. The women are afraid of mm-hmm. have this testosterone. Now, you know, you may have some clitoral enlargement. Mm-hmm. You know, you may have more blood flow in that area. And you may like that or you may not like that. So that's where the dose might need to be adjusted a little bit, right? Yes. Some women like increased libido. Some women don't. Yeah. Right. So this is the conversation that you're going to have with your practitioner and be like, I really want that benefit or I don't want that benefit. Right. So it's it's a conversation between you and your doctor, but there's nothing that's going to harm you. You're you're getting such a small dose compared to the dose that a man gets. Right. Mm hmm. It is truly myth. Yes. It's, it's complete myth. But women will have the same Alzheimer's and dementia protection from testosterone. They'll have the same cardiovascular protection. Mm-hmm. They're going to have the same bone protection. They're going to have breast protection, just like men are going to get prostate protection from testosterone. All the protective benefits is what you want. Yes. If there is a potential side effect, because again, testosterone increases blood flow. Is yeah. it going to increase blood flow to the vagina? Yes. Oh, yes. Is it going to increase blood flow to the penis? Yes. Okay. Is that a bad thing? No. I think it's a great it's thing. It's all good. <laughs> I was wondering if Larry was going to pick up on that cue. <laughs> it's all good, right? But if you're that person that does not necessarily want that, the dose can be dialed down, mm-hmm. adjusted for your liking. Yeah. But you're still going to get the physiologic benefits mm-hmm. to your functioning systems. The snowflake. That's yes. where you just customize the dose. Yes. Well, so what about men? So is estrogen important in men or does it just cause man boobs? Well, that's a myth right there. Estrogen does not <laughs> cause man boobs. Everybody says estrogen causes gynecomastia. It's not true. Estrogen can cause something called nostalgia, which is nipple sensitivity. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you're a guy, you get testosterone. So men don't have an organ that makes estrogen. Men can make estrogen from fat. This is the quote-unquote beer belly over time. It's not from a bunch of Budweiser's, okay? It's because our testosterone level goes down. We don't aromatize into estrogen anymore. Therefore, the body says, hey, I'm in survival mode. I got to make some, so I'm going to retain fat so that I can make estrogen. Why? Because in men's health, you need estrogen to protect the brain, to protect Mm -hmm. the bones, to protect the cardiovascular system, and the body's not stupid. Yeah. It says, I need this stuff, so I'm going to find a way to make it. It's a big mm-hmm. chemical manufacturing laboratory. Yep. But it'll put on the fat around the middle in a guy. So now a guy gets his testosterone level raised again. The body says, oh, I'm aromatizing, because the only way men make estrogen is by taking testosterone and converting it to estrogen. Mm-hmm. That's how we make it. And this is a, an important thing in prostate, understanding prostate cancer. It's actually an estrogen deficiency in men over a long period of time, it's an estrogen starvation in the prostate that leads towards this symptom. It's not, 
high testosterone. It's actually low testosterone, and you're not converting into the estrogen, so you have an even greater estrogen deficiency in men. You yeah. know, start connecting the dots and see what's really I going on. I know, I was going to say, if that doesn't blow one of the myths out of the water, the fact that low estrogen and low testosterone are actually leading to prostate cancer and not the opposite. Yes, and Is again, it? over decades of yes, time. Yes, over time. Over a long time. Mm-hmm. Because men are losing testosterone in their 30s. Yes. Going down and down and down and down. You wake up, you're 55 years old, you get a diagnosis, you got prostate cancer. That's why Larry always says, life ends at 30, right? Stop <laughs> producing collagen. Now yep. you know you're stopping your hormones. Yep. Stop your hormones, right? So estrogen is essential in male physiology. I always say estrogen is what keeps us friendly. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> it is. It is. Because men with low estrogen are grumpy, angry, irritable, nasty, right? <laughs> they, they really are. So when men get their testosterone... See, my, my estrogen was a little low. <laughs> that, that was the problem. Ladies in the office, that was the problem. <laughs> we, we've got the T up now. Testosterone is up. I'm We're making a little estrogen. Yes, so all is good. Maybe that explains some of the belly fat, too. <laughs> oh, you had to go there. That's kind of a low blow. It's, I'm sorry. There may be a little bit there I shouldn't have. But see, uh, now it's not going to happen because oh, yeah. now you're aromatizing, yeah. so it's going to fix, right? We're, we're all good. <laughs> like they say, he's going to make up for everything with a cute butt of his. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> that butt's going to be so good. No one's going to look at the stomach. Uh, well i have one last myth that i want to talk about and then of course anything else you can think of and we briefly touched on this too when we were talking about thyroid so if a person's thyroid levels on blood work are within normal range can they still have hypothyroidism the answer is an absolutely resounding yes (laughs) right but they're commonly told your levels are normal you don't have it and if i give you thyroid i could kill you I don't know if they say kill you quite to that, but you could have but, AFib, you could have bone loss. I mean, I can show you psychiatric studies right now for the relief of depression that are a high-dose thyroid where your free T3 level goes into the 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 range. Mm-hmm. My question to you is what was your free T3 level when you were 18? Yeah. We don't know because we don't test it. Yeah. My kids, I have their hormone panels. Yep. I know what their baseline is so that when they feel like crap when they're 42, I'm going to be like, get your hormones checked because when you were 17, this is what your hormone level is yeah. and now you're 42 and it's not there. I thought it was 30. You're going or to even 42 30. now. No, I mean, <laughs> you know, you, my one son is a professional, going professional ballet dancer. So, I mean, this kid works out. There's not an ounce of fat on him. Oh, yeah. You know, he's just ripped from head to toe. But I want to know what he, as an athlete like that, what is your, what's oh. your hormone levels? Yes. Because when he slows down or stops dancing at some point, he's not going to feel as good probably as he feels today. Yeah. And I want to point him to that. These were your levels yeah. when you were 17. Absolutely. Well, and, it, and that's the thing. It's so many people are walking around feeling terrible. They go to their doctor to do something about it. And their doctor tells them, no, your levels are normal. You're fine. And or if you do this, it's going to be dangerous. So we're going to give you an antidepressant and then we're going to give you a sleep drug. And then that's going to solve your problem. Yeah, so you can have the 30 side effects that go with those two drugs. The anal leakage? Yeah. <laughs> or death or dizziness or blindness. You had to or, go there. Yeah. Uh, I have to do some research and find out what they mean by that. I don't, <laughs> I don't know exactly. But th- the thyroid question is, look, folks, next time you look at your lab slip and you're looking on that right side and you're looking at the reference range, I want you to know there's no science behind that reference range. <laughs> that is the average of a population. Mm-hmm. And all you got to do is change your birthday when you do your lab set. Put in a birthday that makes you 17 or 18 years old. Yeah. And you'll see the reference range changes. Completely changes. 
this is you put in your real birthday and you're going to get the reference range of if you're in your 40s or in your 30s or wherever. This is this is the average of a population. So let me ask you, on average, is the population healthy or is it sick? Yeah. On average, the population is sick. Yes, it is. So they have low levels of these thyroid or testosterone or estrogen or whatever that make you feel and function good. Yeah. So Dr. Rousier, who I know very well on his tombstone, he's going to have these words engraved. What would you like your levels to be? (laughs) (laughs) So Larry, what would you like your levels to be? I want them high. I want them optimum. You just want to feel good. I want to feel good. And I think that's the key for all of us is that when we, when we're moving forward, why not be your best? Like, like we already talked about, uh, we don't know when the end is coming and we certainly don't want to sit here and think about it, but between now and then, why not function like you did when you were younger? If you have the ability, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah. And I think that's the key for all of us is when we, when we start doing one thing and becoming more active, enjoying it more, other things come our way. So it's that simple, and I think we need to move in that direction. I agree. Yeah. Well, Gunther, are there any other big myths that you can think about that we should discuss? I think I covered most yeah, of the ones that of them, tend right? to concern people. Yeah, we just, the big thing is you don't want to be normal. You want yeah. to be optimal. Yeah. And, and the only thing I can encourage your listeners to do is to be optimal is going to require some investment on yes. your part, whether it's a time investment, whether it's a financial investment. And the time to start is now. The time to, not, to start is not when you become ultra-symptomatic. Because when the damage gets done, it's harder to fix. It's harder to reverse, right? Like yes. you mentioned Alzheimer's, big deal. Personal experience with Alzheimer's, yes. right? You lived with it. Well, when are you going to start preventing Alzheimer's? Yes. The, the answer is yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Now, right now. Now, right now, yesterday. What are you going to do to prevent that? And, and the, the, the big thing is it's prevention, why do you want to spend $86,000 on a prostate cancer surgery? Oh, because my insurance will, my insurance will cover it? <laughs> What's your quality of life going to be? You know, a heart attack is $140,000. Can we do something to prevent the heart attack? A yeah. stroke is $180,000 with all the rehab and the physical therapy and all the stuff that has to go with it. This is why our health care system is broken. Mm-hmm. We allow everybody to get to illness. We allow everybody to get to sickness we allow everybody to get to that point. Well, what if we can prevent that? I speak with doctors a lot of time. What if your practice, what if your business, your practice was a place where people came to stay healthy? Yes. Not because they're sick, but they come to see you because they want to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's the essence of life. It is. And, you know, it's funny because even going back to what you just brought, and this is what Larry and I always teach when we are training people, and this is the kind of motto and function behind our training facility is why be average when you can be exceptional? Yeah. You know, and it, it, it doesn't just apply to the jobs that we're doing, but it applies to your body and how you feel on the inside. So it's why be average when you can be exceptional? Yeah, if there's a way. We're all spending money. We're all doing something that we could live without, that we could yes. do without. Yeah. People need to put their priority on their health. You have to take the bull by the horns. You have to decide today that this will be a priority in your life. Yes. 
right? Absolutely. To, to wake up in the morning, to feel and function in an optimal way, to sleep well at night, to have sex when you want to have sex, to go ride your mountain bike, go ski tall mountains, yeah. you know, just live large. Yeah. And feel good all the way up until the end. Yeah, and be able to play with your grandkids, you know, mm-hmm. and have the energy to do so and the mental clarity to do so, to actually be interested in life yeah. and not just walking through it like a zombie. Yeah. <laughs> right? Holding out your phone along the way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, even digital pollution is a, is a big deal in our lives these days. I mean, how much screen time do we consume and, mm-hmm. you know, our, our eye health and all that stuff and... and you know, we need to take some time to, to quiet the machine down, to maybe meditate yeah. a little bit, to, to, to listen to that inner voice a little bit, right? Yep. And yeah. these are all important things. This is, emotional health is very important. So, you know, get, get some psychiatric help if you need psychiatric. It's an important part of optimal health. It is. Right? Yep. But you have to start somewhere. So we're going to get ready to wrap up for today. And thank you, Gunther, so much. You have left us with so many good tidbits of information and Hopefully our listeners will take your advice and start investing in their health. Yeah, and if they want to you know, investigate a little further, VibrantHealthGurus.com is a great place to just yes, it is. get more stuff and videos. And just, but I point everything back to you know, the partners that I work with, people that are doing it, like Clear, Clear Skin Institute. I mean, you guys are a national training company. Mm-hmm. You teach other practitioners how to do this stuff. So you guys are the leaders you know, in, or in this kind of thinking and stuff, which is why I like to share these thoughts with you guys. Yes, thank you. And Larry, down to the end, what would you do? Well, today was, I was not involved much today because, (laughs) you know, I get all these emails, text messages, and phone calls. Don't give me any regarding hormones. That's obviously not my field. However, you can because he'll give them to me. That's right. I will be happy to pass them on to people who really specialize in this and know what they're doing. And we are excited about it. Since I've uh, got hormones on board, it has changed my life and it can change yours as well. So that's that's the first thing I want to say. And, and coming up, um, I will probably be a little more active. We have Dr. Chilla Curry mm-hmm. from Houston. He's a well-known, famous dermatologist who uh, will be uh, spending some time with us doing mm-hmm. a show or two. And he's coming, and uh, he in, he's very involved in the world of aesthetics and studies, and he's evaluated a lot of technology, and he does a lot of what we do, and he has some great insight to how to look better, how to take care of yourself, and, and what all you can do. So uh, I think I'll be a little more involved in that one, but... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, again, thank you to Gunther because it was fantastic, and I hope you all heed his words because feeling good is so important. And if you're not, do something about it. Yes. Well, thank you for joining us today, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to What Would Larry Do? featuring Dr. Ann. Hear it live each week here or anytime 24-7 on demand at StarWorldWideNetworks.com. 